Welcome everyone to Invested, a limited series by Behind the Human and KPMG High Growth Ventures. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the minds of early stage investors to surface actionable insights for founders and startups to mentally and financially thrive. Find people in your life and they don't need to understand business. In fact, sometimes it can be better (laughs) that they don't understand business who can ask you these questions from time to time. Like, how are you? What's keeping you up at night? If there is one or two things that could change, what would you change? Today, I'm speaking with Benjamin, who is a partner at RightClick Capital, a founder-led firm investing in technology businesses that want to go global faster and have started their journey in Australia, New Zealand, or Southeast Asia. What lights you up about working with founders? Look, I love, Mark, working with founders for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I always recall my early days as a startup founder back in the 90s where I was working with some really close friends in building an e-commerce business. And I, I think back to the people who gave us advice, the people who gave us feedback, and some of the people who, who gave us counsel. I might not have thought of counsel at the time. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so I, I think I get reminded by that and, and, and want to do the right thing. The second thing is that I also get thoroughly energised when spending time with people who are pursuing something that they're extremely passionate about. So for me, being able to to even get a little bit of the juice that's running through their veins, it is so it's so captivating. It is so energising, and for me, it it gives me a, a new and a renewed sense of vigour. And the, mm. the third reason is that as an investor, I love seeing people and love supporting people who are, are doing something that's bold something that yeah. is possibly changing the lives of, of, of many others. Now, not all our businesses, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> change, change your way, you might unscrew a, a bottle. But, but what we like to do is, is, is back these founders who are bold and visionary. So they're some of the reasons why I, I get excited about what I do. Yeah. Well, I can feel it just in, in in your response. I mean, you can you can feel the energy there, which is which is a beautiful thing to witness. Um, before we get into you know just the topic of of founder health and and just I think financial health as well mm-hmm. as as for startups and so forth, well, I I would just like to kind of level set or, or or paint the picture of the current environment and and just just get a one word descriptor from you like just given everything that's that's happening in the markets right now is there is there a word that comes to mind to describe the environment that founders are working in right now my one word is opportunity mm-hmm. and that is because whilst there is some uncertainty whilst there are headlines <laughs> that are generated to get people to click on certain links. My view is that we are still at the beginning or the very early days of the long arc of the impact of technology. 
Yes. And when you think, I was mentioning to you earlier about e-commerce and I was involved in e-commerce back in the, the 90s, 90, 96, 97. Well, the number of people who purchased products online back then is a far cry from people who purchased products in 2010. And of course, mm-hmm. now it's 2022, soon looking into 2023. And it's still less than a majority of products uh, are sold online. So yeah, I think right. over time, there is there is more and more to go. And, and that, if you like, is just one, one type of, of snapshot of the impact of technology. I think another one to look at is if you think about the largest companies in the world, I think some 10, 15 years ago, there was one technology company which was in the top 10, and that was Microsoft. <laughs> Since then, <laughs> there's countless others, right? Whether it's yeah. the Alibabas, whether you think of Facebook now Meta, when you think of Amazon, and of course, Apple. So, you, you think about the, the world's economy, how much has technology shifted even in the last 10 or 15 years? I'd say a lot. How much more, Mark, in the future? I'm a hopeful person. So, yeah, I could, I could tell. I could tell. Well, there's a, another topic too, I, and this is, I'm, this is a, a bit dated. It's two years ago. I, I read an article that you had uh, wrote in Smart Company. Mm. This is two, 2020. And... Again, I, I think this was the beginning, obviously, of the pandemic and whatnot. And that I think that optimistic flavor or lens that you're putting in in the startup world was surfacing there as well. You talked a lot about just the competitive advantage of startups being in, like, going into a, a pandemic. And obviously, a lot has, has has changed and whatnot, and things are all over the place. But I think. If, again, if we we put the headlines aside, which I think you, you you said quite well, there is actually a lot of opportunity there. Do you, do you still see that competitive uh, landscape as being, you know, uh, a leg up for startups? For sure, because as a startup, you don't have the legacy that an established business has. You don't have to provide the same product that was provided for the last 30 years to a similar group of customers. Now, obviously, there are other other considerations, as in how do you get your name out there? How do you win your first customer, your first 1,000, your first 10,000 customers? And love to chat more about that. But you don't have that legacy, which can sometimes be a real weight on the shoulders of an established company. And that is partly why I think when we consider in our respective national markets or even internationally some of these incumbents who dominate certain categories, why the way that you perform a certain activity is the same way that was done 10 or 20 or even 30 years ago. <laughs> I was asked, asked the other day from some large company that I, I have dealings with that I, I, I needed to, to present physical paper and wet signatures. I'm thinking, it's 2022. Like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you know it isn't, someone, <laughs> it isn't someone else's signature? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's too funny. Too funny. So what, and if you think of, of, of today's landscape and companies, because you're, you're quite involved with um, Founder Institute, yep. correct? Yep. Yeah. Like what's the pulse right now with, with teams coming out of, of 
that stage of of their startups because then you know typically from my understanding um been having been in the space as well you're usually coming out with your pre-seed or seed round if you know you things go well i guess you could say in those pitches and so forth what's what's the pulse though right now of companies coming out what are they focusing on or what are they worried about what's you know any advice for anyone around that stage yeah i would say that i've been observing a, a couple of a couple of threads of activity at the Founder Institute level, and that's an idea stage program to help founders go through all the building blocks to build a successful startup. And the program brings on founders who may be shipping product and founders who might be tossing up between do I do A or B or others uh, are working on do I do variation A1 or A2 of a particular Mm. product. And what I'd say is we've seen a number of founders who are tackling climate and climate-related type issues and sometimes it has to do with sustainability or a circular economy or it has to do with energy or it has to do with being able to reuse and and I think I think that's been a really interesting trend to see the the other thing that we're seeing at the moment is almost a renaissance <laughs> of 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 marketplaces and okay. we, we, we know some of the marketplaces of the last five or ten years, some went really, really, really excitingly high. And then there's been all sorts of issues with, with, uh, with a number of them. So we've seen a number of these marketplaces. And then, of course, there's still the, the good old software. Like why, <laughs> why, why do we have to put up with ten things to do when we could click one button and the software does perhaps nine of those things, and we do that sure. That last tenth thing. So, so I'd, I'd say they're the things that I've been seeing lately. And my, my big feedback to, to founders at that stage, Mark, is the need to perform customer development. It's, it astounds me still when founders come into that program and other programs, mind you, where they think they have the way and of course, having a will and a way is very important. But being able to understand the real desires and the solutions that a customer has previously tried, the problems that they're enduring, for me, that is so important. And I like to eat my own dog food in that regard. I like to talk to founders, to ask them, what have been their experiences with their investors? What have been their experiences with, with investors at large? And I do the same with the investors that I speak with, as in people who support us. I ask, well, there are managers of money. There are venture capitalists out there. What have been your experience with us, with others? What are you liking? What are you disliking? What do you see? And yeah. obviously, as a founder creating a new business that requires leadership and sometimes leadership means that you are showing a new way to be done but I think understanding what's on people's minds understanding what keeps them up at night is critical just to stick on that that's a great topic to, to, to stay on and I'd love to to bring in you know right click capital in this in this case and founders at that stage as well 
but just on the understanding your customer and like when you said that, it almost makes me think, especially now, just everything that's going on again, there's a little bit less, I'm seeing a shift from pure story and growth as, you know, the, the, uh, capital strategy, let's say, or a raising strategy to, you know, now it's profitability and or near-term profitability Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And I imagine, but this is where I'd love your insight, that there's got to be teams out there thinking of, okay, well, we we would have tried this before, but let's just get real clear on current customers and understanding, you know, who the real customer is in this, in this company. Like, and and what, like, so I, I guess my question is like, what questions should founders be asking around that, that topic right now? Unit economics is a topic du jour. It's the the topic that I'd say more investors and more founders are are spending time on. And I'd say my key takeaways on that are it's really important to understand your unit economics. But when coming up with the unit that is being measured, working out, hmm, Let's say I've started a business, it's one or two years old, it's got customers. I could average my unit economics or talk about unit unit economics where I'm averaging all my customers. But if indeed I dig beneath the surface and I have two distinct customer groups, well, is it better for me to understand the unit economics of those two different groups or cohorts? And is one cohort growing more than the other? Is one cohort giving better margin than the other? Is one cohort got a longer customer value than the other? And look, yeah. whenever we get a, a new voucher to, to try a, a new pizza store or a new burger shop, you think, oh, okay, this is great. I'm going to try it. Wonderful. But do I go back again? Am I that loyal yeah. customer? Or am I the, the customer who just tries it once and sure, it was a nice experience, but I'm not really a burger eater. The reason I tried that burger is because it was a, a cheaper burger yeah. and I just wanted to, 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 to give it a go. So I, I think having that discernment to be able to dig beneath the servers and to then work out how can I use those numbers? How can I use that, that data to to draw out insight that then I can do some work on, that I can action. So it's like, oh, I realize that if I go after this type of customer and I sell a particular product to that customer, while I might sell less of them, there's a much better margin on that. How do I go and put more effort into those customers? And how can I then explain that (laughs) to my management team, to my investors, those who are backing me? So it looks like... I'm doing something that is rational, that is sane, and that in the longer term is sustainable. Because obviously, when you've got a startup, you're going to have a stack load of expenses that are running on your OPEX. But when you're making that particular sale, is there enough margin? Is there enough lifetime value of that customer? Okay. I I mean, I was going to ask you a follow-up on that because from the, the survey that you provided, uh, there was one question around just uh, what fan founders should be focusing on when uh, focusing or when looking to, to raise their next round. And, and you said, show me, show me your metrics. So you're definitely within uh, on the same theme, but I was just, I'm curious, are there specific metrics that you're looking for right now? I mean, I, I realize 
you know, probably changes depending on, on certain companies and, and environments, but are there any general metrics that are of more focus now than maybe two, three years ago um, before the, the craziness of the current markets? Yeah, I would say the big things that are receiving more attention now, Mark, are what is the time, what is the months that's required to pay back the cost of customer acquisition? So if it costs okay. me $100 to acquire a customer, and let's say I'm selling a subscription for the sake of ease, and that subscription is $15 a month, and I have a 66% gross margin on that subscription. So my cost of sales for that subscription is $5, and I make gross margin of $10 each month. Well, clearly, if that cost of acquisition, being the sales and marketing costs, including Mm -hmm. the labor, to make that particular sale is $100, then it would take me 10 months to recoup the cost of that acquisition. And then hopefully, if people keep staying on, (laughs) by month 11, I am profitable on a per-unit basis. And then month 12, I'm happy. Month 13, I'm happy. By month 24, I'm super happy because (laughs) I've I've had 14 months of this this, this so-called profitability on 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 a unit basis. I think understanding what that is... Yeah. And seeing is there a way to shorten that payback period is important because, okay. of course, you can have a, a customer, I'm sure you or I have signed up to a number of these music or video streaming services <laughs> no. and, and, and we've been there for more than 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 70 months, 100 yeah. months, <laughs> maybe longer. So they're obviously doing quite well in the 100th month. But is there an ability to, to, to bring that back in our example from the 10th month to the 9th month or the 8th sure. month? Because that clearly then reduces the amount of capital that's required to bring on those customers. And I think what gotcha. we had been seeing until more recently is companies with a growth at all costs mindset paying perhaps less attention to the number of months payback or the total ratio of the lifetime value on the customer acquisition cost. Hello, everyone. I want to first thank you for listening to this limited series and let you know if you're looking for more insights and resources designed specifically for startups and scale-ups, we've got you covered. Head over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Now back to the show. Makes sense. I mean, it's interesting to me, uh, given it, it, like the, how you describe that seems like that's how it should always have been. <laughs> Somehow we got away or something shifted into this, this growth uh, story, right? Along the way. And we've all, you know, heard of some of the bigger companies that have gone down that, that track where they've never been profitable and so forth. And, 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 and they've blown up, you know, in, in a way, but it's, what you're saying, I mean, it just just sounds like good business sense, yeah, and, and logic, right? Well, the 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 consequence of having good unit economics, and this is almost a, an irony. The irony is that if that firm is unable to raise more capital, 
it should be able to turn down its growth, its, its mm. super growth. Yeah. And by super growth, I mean opening into a new country, opening into a new product, opening into some new territory market and be profitable or break even, right, for the existing operations. But, of course, they're the types of businesses, this is the irony, they're the businesses where you've got people like me <laughs> who are going, hmm, wow, you seem to have your stuff together. Why don't you take more money? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. Uh, ben, I'm going to pivot a little bit to the sure. minds of founders, if you, if you don't mind. Yes. And I'm just... I'm just curious, uh, just to, again, set the stage, like when I say a mentally fit founder, like what does that mean to for you personally? That's a really good question. I had the privilege earlier this year of being at a relatively small session with the former world number one tennis player, Ash Barty, who retired okay. at the age of 25. How about that? <laughs> wow, not bad. <laughs> Imagine if we could all do that. <laughs> yeah. World number one, retire, age 25. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> and she shared during this little time together about the visualizations that she mm. does when she is preparing for a match and even when she is on the court. And she has shared how that mindset is such an important way for her to ground herself and to achieve peak performance. Now, I don't think for a moment she is saying that you or I could eat burgers and fried chicken wings and drink lots of beer for yeah. months on end as our sole diet and then get yeah. on the tennis court and visualise and suddenly win Wimbledon. I'm not sh I, I don't think she's saying that, right? <laughs> no. no. There's a few pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I think she is saying is that there are, there are building blocks that one needs. You need to have the fitness. You need to have the strength. You need to have the technique, the ground strokes and whatnot. But then, yes, when it comes to match day, when it comes to thinking about how will I play, having the right mindset is very important. And also recognising that your whole life, your success in life, your identity is not necessarily tied up in being a Grand Slam winner. Mm. And I thought that yeah, was really interesting. Way. So it's it's... It's a bit complex, right? Because it's, it, there's tension there. Because clearly, you're on the tennis court. You, I, I don't think if if you or I had had a tennis racket in hand, even if we're at a local local park, we're thinking, "Oh, I'm playing to lose." No, you you, you, you play to win, don't you? But yeah, but yeah. but there is this this champion mindset. I think of yes, I'm going to give it my best, and I can see myself playing well, and I can see myself succeeding on the court. And yet, at the same time, having a humility, having a humanity, some would say, to recognize this isn't everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And almost it frees you up to, to, to then go, oh, I'm going to give it my all, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it takes a bit of the pressure off, for yeah. sure. When I think I like, I like that example, and, and we can stick with that a little bit as well, if, uh, because I think... Yeah. 
when it comes, and this is why I talk about this from the perspective of mental fitness versus mental health, because I think mental fitness is very relatable to physical fitness, right? Yeah. It's, it's, we have, we, we're empowered if we, you know, we have the motivation to say, I can do this type thing. Whereas, um, you know, there's been a lot of obviously fantastic dialogue around mental health and so forth and, and conversations that need to be had. But it's still, unfortunately, still from the perspective of pulling yourself out of some sort of hole, right? Whereas mental fitness, I think, is a little bit more accessible and includes, in my opinion, all of the buckets that, that re revolve around training your mind or the health of your mind. And just sticking with your example, I imagine she, you know, when something happens in the match, it's all of that training that happens mm -hmm. beforehand that prepares her to be able to almost go into autopilot and handle whatever's happening on the court. And I'd love to know from, from your perspective, just sticking with, with founders, I don't think it's much different. You know, when it's something's thrown, a curveball's thrown, you have to pivot right away. I mean, either you're you're in a high stress reaction mode or you're able to somewhat stay grounded. And I think this is where the mental fitness training could be really helpful. And what I would love to have make more available to founders. Absolutely. I, I agree. And I think this this comment that you make about mental fitness as opposed to the potential stigma or negative connotation or association with, oh, my mental health, I, I, I like that. I really like that mental fitness. And like any type of fitness, there's the muscle analogy. And mm -hmm. the more one practices using that muscle and one develops that muscle, the, the, the more that muscle is able to, to work in various circumstances. We know that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we, from personal experience, if I, if, if I don't go for a run for just even a week or two, the next time I go for a fast movement of my legs, it's just it's not, the not same. as smooth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not as smooth. Yeah. It's not as not 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 as. Uh, there's certainly more pain and, and and all of the above. So yes, this this idea of mental fitness, I think, is very important. And I have shared with founders in the past some of the tools and the techniques that I've been exposed to mm. to bring that mind back into a, a healthy. A healthy state so yeah really well i'd love really to hear some of those ben yeah. that's definitely i mean let's let's pull some of those out i mean i know one of them just having some of the answers to your survey sleep it yep. is, is is i would argue the the like if you're going to start somewhere it's sleep you know ensuring right. that you're you're sleeping long enough and and the quality is is there because it affects everything Right. Absolutely, if absolutely, and, and 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 I think a, a very very simple way to test this is to recall a time where perhaps you've had a hangover because that's mm -hmm. usually when the sleep is not so good and it's been yeah. exacerbated by alcohol. Well, 
were you performing at your peak the next morning? <laughs> were you making the best decisions? Were you the most fun person to be around? Were you an inspiring yeah. leader <laughs> when you got out of bed <laughs> feeling that sure. someone hit, hit you on the back of the head with a four by two? Probably not. <laughs> no, no. So I, I, I agree. I think getting that sleep is important, having sleep hygiene and having yeah. – hopefully uninterrupted sleep and whether you're a late sleeper and a late riser or early sleeper and early riser i'll let the the, the sleep experts talk about the the benefits and the sure. and, and the, the, the cons of each but but yes i, I think i think having a, an appropriate amount of sleep is, is super important is there any what are some of the other um practices or rituals that you see working well for any of your founders or examples that you're seeing out in the field that have been really helpful and, and, you know, just ensuring minds are healthy, reducing some of that pressure and, and stress. I was having a catch up with one of our portfolio company founders the other week and their comment was being able to, to, to exercise and to, to, to even exercise on the way home from work. And yeah. for them, they were saying it allowed for them to process the day. It allowed for them to get into the right state of mind when they got home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they yeah. were in the present with their family members <laughs> and not necessarily letting out some of the steam related to the activities of the day. So that exercise, having a little bit of that separation from home and I, I think one of the interesting things I haven't spoken a lot about it with, with with founders recently, but with more of us doing this work from home is is there that appropriate level of separation between yes. people that we live with, <laughs> who, who sometimes cop what they shouldn't cop, and yeah. the the pressures of work, which are in the same the same environment. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's it, it makes me think this is this is from an interview probably about 3 years ago but it's it's something that's been on my mind and it links to what you just shared about that end of day run or end of day exercise to almost like bookend the day. Um so in the environment where to your point where we're working remotely and, and maybe you don't actually have that commute even just a quick you know, your hand on the doorknob, leaving the room you might be working in or whatever it is, taking a few seconds mentally to just a couple breaths, like let the day that just happened, leave it behind and, and consciously just set the intention of um, I'm stepping into family life now or my friends or whatever it is, right? Um, obviously, you know, you probably get a lot more out of, of a full exercise session and hopefully you can still get that in somewhere else. But even just doing that, which takes you know a minute or less can be the game changer when it comes to uh, you know remunerating on and looping on the or bringing in the day into your evening and just filling up that mental capacity. Absolutely, one of the programs that I had started getting into last year is by uh, American, and it was about changing the mindset or being first of all, more aware of your mindset and, and yeah. having a, a more positive quotient. <laughs> sure. and, and, and as part of this whole topic around developing the mind and considering the mind as a muscle, the, the program talks about B 
being able to have times in the day, even if it's 30 seconds, mm-hmm. to think the thoughts, whether they're, they're positive thoughts or whether it's thinking thoughts that hopefully open up pathways to creativity or a different perspective or whether it is being able to understand another's perspective. And this is something that we need to practice. And yes, of course. Whether it's before we're going into a meeting, going, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more creative in this meeting. Yeah. Or whether it's before a phone call, thinking, hmm, often when I have a conversation with this person, it tends to be a little tense how do I introduce some lightheartedness or how do I introduce a, a sense of positivity into this conversation? Mm-hmm. Or I'm sure this happens from, from, from time to time. You're, you're, you're having a, a conversation with a founder who's got challenges with their business. Well, how do I, how do I help them to be more creative or how do I help them to, to, to perhaps not go into uh, a run. And maybe yeah. I need to do that myself, right? <laughs> of course, of course. Well, and I think, Ben, it's, it's uh, I'm curious to see if you do any of this or if this resonates, but it, we're all individual, obviously. And I think yes. the key is to find the things that, that put our minds into those creative states or those calm states and so forth. Like I know you're you're someone that's quite passionate and a fan of of classical and jazz piano. I mean, imagine if, you know, before jumping into this big project or this this task of ideating your creative work and you know, you just close your eyes and, and put some headphones on for 10 minutes and, and dropped into what that music does for you. And we all have that example in some capacity, right? And it, it, again, it doesn't have to be hours and hours, but I think it's just taking the the pause and pulling out of autopilot for for a bit of time, and it's just it's so freeing for the minds. And then you think better, and and you're you can see more, you can see the path, and you know you're just more alive and present. For sure, for sure, and I I, I think there are there are small things that we can do and small steps to to take. It might be a change of behaviour. <laughs> yes, but, but my encouragement is to try it. Listen to some music yeah. or go and see a funny funny Reddit clip or a, a funny Twitter clip. Go and yeah. go and do something to to, to lighten the, the mood because yes. Building businesses are great endeavors, but it doesn't need to be all serious. It doesn't need to be all solemn. Yeah. <laughs> you can have a bit of fun on, along the way. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> are there, uh, just on that topic, are there any good resources that you've come across, whether books or podcasts or some practices that, that work well for you personally that you'd love to sh- uh, like to share to the, with the listeners? Yeah, so the, the one that I has been spending a bit of time with is what's called the, the Positive Quotient. And okay. this is a program where you download it onto your smartphone and it provides you with a whole series of exercises to be able okay. to build this positivity. And mm. the, 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 the positive psychology around it is that if you're able to change some of your habits and incorporate this positivity into your mindset and into your interactions, well, it has a 
it, it has a, a really good effect <laughs> on yeah, the people course. that you work with, and 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 also in terms of your your mindset, it does build a greater sense of resilience or an ability to to to, to work through difficult situations. It gives you a chance to 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 think about other people's perspectives, to be able to open your mind to, to creativity. So this PQ, okay. positive quotient, is something that I can recommend. Mm. So, what, yeah, what have you noticed on your side? Have there been any, any big shifts for you that you're like, wow, that really, I, I, I notice, I'm noticing this program. <laughs> for me, it has been a greater sense of where other people are or where they're coming from because mm. I've been able to get a yes. sense for my various states. So I know if I've had a, a good bit of exercise, a good bout of exercise, and I perform one of these 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 program exercises, I, I, I sense that, wow, I'm able to get to, let's say, a, a more thoughtful and positive state faster. Sure. And then if someone's delivered, delivered me some bad news – and I perform one of those exercises, it takes me longer. And I know it's a revelation, isn't it? But it, 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 it's helped me recognize, oh, well, when I'm meeting with other people, they might be coming from different places. Have they yeah. just had a, a conversation, a difficult conversation with their partner? Or have they had a difficult conversation with their child? Or have they has something occurred which has caused them to be in a state where they oughtn't be normally and how sure. can we then somehow engage in an activity or a conversation or some kind of some kind of thing which allows sure. us to perhaps get in that right state because yeah. as you're saying it's before, good. yeah, if you if like if, if if people are coming together, you've got a meeting. Let's say you've got a planning day, and someone in the meeting who's critical to your planning day is very distracted because of the the, the childcare, and someone else is very distracted because of their parent. Well, are we going to get the best out of them in that planning session? I don't think so. No, <laughs> no. Better, better at least at the beginning of the meeting to 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 take a, a temperature check of where everyone's at is there anything we need to talk about is there anything yeah. we can do to help one another let's get all clear about that before we dive into this very important mm -hmm. planning meeting <laughs> well, th this is why i mean i'm biased of course i mean this is why for me mental fitness just lights me up because for the most part a lot of these these practices and tools are, are quite accessible we just you know need to help people find the right thing for, for themselves. And once you start implementing these, you know, just like the example you gave, it's essentially you're, you're getting those micro pauses, those moments to, you know, they're, and they're not long, but they're, they're long enough to take a different course of action. Right. And you're, you're clearly noticing it yourself personally, and we can all experience this. Right. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you start thinking more clearly and you start making more intentional decisions and, and like it's, uh, all of a sudden the path is more, it's always been there. It's just usually it's masked with so much to your point, you know, there's emotions and relationships that are in the back of your mind and, and, and so forth. So we can just kind of like open the front and back door of our, our heads and blow out some of that, you know, some of that dust and, and, and organize the mental room. Then all of a sudden it's a whole other, uh, 
you know, world of, of possibility and, and expansion. Indeed. Um, is it, is it positive intelligence? Is that the company that you're using? Yeah. I just, that's okay. right. Yeah. It's positive intelligence. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, I'll just make sure I have that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really good program and, yeah. and there's, there's a Canadian link with them just so you know. That's very cool. <laughs> I love it. Um, ben, last question for you. Are, and it's on questions. Are there any questions that you feel we're not asking founders right now that we should be? I'd say as an investor, it can be difficult to get the true pulse of what's happening with founders. And the reason is that whilst I try as hard as possible to engender a high degree of transparency and a deep relationship with the founders that I'm close to. It can be difficult because come the next round, they're wanting to get funding yes. from you. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. this is a really important topic. So, so, so there, there can be. Uh, 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 there can be the situation where it might be difficult for them to 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 to, to bear their true self, right? Yeah. So, what I would say to those who are around founders or who are founders is find people in your life, and they don't need to understand business. In fact, sometimes it can be better <laughs> that they don't understand business who can ask you these questions from time to time, like, how are you? Mm. What's keeping you up at night? If there is one or two things that could change, what would you change? Isn't it funny, yeah. those, those stories about the, 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 uh, the Aladdin's lamp or the genie being yes. able to ask your wish? I think it applies to founders. If you, if you had a wish, three wishes, in fact, what would you be wishing for? Much better unit economics. Okay, that's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a VP of marketing. Okay, that's wonderful. But would you be asking for resilience? Would you be asking for being able to have a, a stronger level of mental fitness and being able to share that mental fitness with your co colleagues, your co-workers? I would be asking for that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, I think finding people whether it's other founders or people who are not founders but who have your genuine interests at heart, I think that's really helpful. And yeah. I would like to think that I have the genuine interests of my founders at heart because I, 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 I do believe that. But I also understand that there can be this dynamic of not necessarily wanting to show your fellow board director and your yeah. potential investor in your next round of financing the the real real what's going on <laughs> yeah. i ben i'm really happy you brought that up because i i i hear it and even before we started recording the series i mentioned that 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 i was recording in uh, another one a founder series that uh, some of those episodes are out and and that topic came up and i was speaking directly with founders or, um and it came up quite often so i think I agree. I, I think the majority of investors, including yourself, are are do have you know the right interests in mind and genuinely care. But let's let's just not be 
naive that to the fact to your point that there is that there is that element so you know it's it, we know that. So then uh, I love your suggestion to make sure that there's people within your your team or your camp that, you know, you can, you feel you can be 100% kind of safe or transparent with to to uh, complement the support you're probably getting for, from your investors and board members as well, right? I think it's just a smart approach and, and not kind of burying our hands or heads in the sand and pretending that that, that, that dynamic is not there because it is in, yeah. in, in a way. That's true. So... Yeah. So thank you. I mean, I'm happy you brought that up. I think we need to have more conversations on that topic and just be uh, real about it. And you know, everyone wins. So for sure. Yeah. Well, this is great, Ben. I mean, I could talk to you for, for quite some time. You dropped a lot of really great uh, nuggets and, and insights and actionable, I think, steps um, for, for founders, but really anyone uh, to think about in terms of their uh, mental fitness, but then also thinking about the health of uh, whether you're on a team or running a company or anything in between. There's just some really applicable um, best practices and, and insights here. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to join the show. Thank you very much, Mark. Well, thank you for sticking around for the entire episode. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And again, for more startup and scale up resources, swing over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Have a stunning day.